don't know what your headline of 2020 is, but uh, we are we're wanting to reshape the narrative that the world has thrown us, the enemy has thrown us and say, we may have started there, we may have gone through the valley, but we don't have to land there. We want to land in the faithfulness of God. We are preaching through a text that will be on the screen behind me. It's found in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through to 24. It says this, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. One of my favorite verses of scripture. One of It's a power, power pack four verses. This is incredible, dripping with hope, dripping with life. But what is even more significant about these verses is actually where it is found. It is found in the middle of a book called Lamentations, which is one long rant. It, if you think the comment section in News 24 were bad, if you think uh, reading people's reviews on Hello Peter and people complaining was bad, just read Jeremiah's book of Lamentations. It's one low, long rant, one long moaning and groaning, and with reason. He has seen terrible things happen, and he's moaning and groaning, and he finds this little this ray of sunlight, ray of hope, and he says, this is where I dare to have hope. This I will remember, and this is a powerful little verse, and I, I want to remind us that it's the, the power of it is where it's found, because if you want a paraphrase title for the book of Lamentations, you can call it 2020. It's, it's, just, it's just like that. It's literally that bad. It just feels like when everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And it's landed in our lap, landed in Jeremiah's lap in this text. And, uh, and I, what, I, what I love about this, the mere fact that there's a book called Lamentations in the Bible gives me hope. Why? Because we serve a God who says, I feel your pain. I feel your hurt. I feel your rejection. I feel your anguish. I feel your anxiety. But praise the Lord, He doesn't just feel it. He tells us that He enters into it with us. He becomes our weakness. He enters into the valley with us. But praise the Lord, it doesn't finish there either. He says, I'll walk you through it. He feels it, He enters into it, and He walks us through it. And that's why today I want to preach as part of this series. My name is Gabe Phillips. If you have not met me, if you're online and you're watching and you're saying, who gave this guy a mic? I don't know. The Lord, probably. But... But the incredible privilege of preaching today, a tight sermon I want to entitle, The Moans, the Groans, and the Stones. The Moans, the Groans, and the Stones. Because I want to help anchor our moaning and our groaning, where, which actually sometimes God allows, allows space for us to be vulnerable, to be weak, to say, God, we need you. But he says, I don't want you to stay there. I want to land your lament in the faithfulness of God. I want to take us somewhere today. But not just today. I want to help anchor our hearts to something that will, that will lead us into the future. They'll lead us into the moor. Uh, we got to, my family got the privilege of going to the, the bush a while ago. And uh, in the bush, we, we rented a vehicle that was not a 4 by 4 vehicle. It was a vehicle that was good on the, on the tarmac, but as soon as you went off-road, there was a little bit of a challenge at times. Never more so seen when you have to go up sharp inclines around bends that are, that they are filled with sand. And all of a sudden, as you're going up, you are, you're trying to find that gear, and you're hearing the wheels start to turn. And you're seeing this, this, the cloud of dust behind you. You're hearing the kids in the back starting to panic. You're hearing your wife's complaints very loudly. Yep, I heard them very loudly. 
you, you, the animals are ducking and diving because the vehicle that was moving all of a sudden hits an incline with sand and it's going nowhere fast until the wisdom of the Lord coming via my wife says, have you not noticed on the side they've put some stones there so that your tires can find traction and have to move the vehicle, reverse out of the sand and find those stones and though the incline is the same, though the stand is still present because of the stones, we're able to move forward. With that as an analogy, I want to give us three stones, three rocks, three anchors for our hearts that Jeremiah gives us from this passage of Scripture that will serve us so that we are able to experience, not just know, but experience the faithfulness of God. Anyone in the room who needs to experience the faithfulness of God, give me a wave, give me a wave. If you're online, if you need to experience the faithfulness of God, put an emoji, put your hand up, whatever you need to do today, we want to lean in and experience it. So why don't we pray? Father, I thank you today for your word. Your word that is unchanging. Your word that is true. Your word that never fails. And I thank you today that your word would come in power and bring courage to feeble hearts. Give courage to weak hearts. Give courage to failed hearts. That they would find the anchor of their soul amidst the trial, amidst the pain, amidst the lament. They'll find the faithfulness of God. I trust this to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. As I said, three stones. Brief this morning, three stones, three rocks, three anchors for our souls so we could experience the faithfulness of God. Number one is this, and it will appear on the screen behind me. We need to learn how to remember. Why don't you say that aloud to your neighbor? Say, remember. If you're online, you've got to participate with us today. We don't believe in spectators. We believe in participators in the gospel, in the preaching of the word. But remember, you see, I love this text. It says this, Jeremiah starts, he says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. You see, the enemy will, will, will get us to try and remember our pain. The enemy will try to get us to remember our, our, our past, get to remember our, our brokenness. But Jeremiah lays a hold of his heart amidst the moans and the groans. He finds this anchor point. He says, I will remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. And you see, this is, I love the, the process of God. You see, as you read the Old Testament, the, the story of God, God encounters the people of Israel in remarkable ways. He, he seems to break through again and again on their behalf, working miracle after miracle, setting them free from enemies and, and brokenness into futures that they did not ever imagine they'll walk into. And God does these miracles, but the people are profound at doing one thing, forgetting. It seems like as soon as God leads them into the moor and they face another challenge, they face another incline filled with sand, if I can work that metaphor through, all of a sudden they forget what God has done and they start to go backwards. So what does God do? God puts this incredible mechanism throughout Scripture. If you follow the narrative of the people of God, He says to them, whenever you see a victory, whenever God brings breakthrough, I want you to make an altar of remembrance. You guessed it. What do they build it with? Stones something that's solid, something that is an anchor point. I want you not, not an altar of sacrifice, pleading for my breakthrough, no, but an altar of remembrance, remembering what I have done already. One case in point is in Joshua chapter 4. God has taken the people of Israel over the, the, the Jordan River into a, the most miraculous way into the promised land. And he says, before you progress from this place, Build an altar of remembrance. Get 12 stones representing the 12 tribes and build it there. And Jesus says, and God says to them, the reason why is so that when your children ask you in future generations, why are those stones there? You can tell them about the faithfulness of God in this moment. 
We have to build these altars of remembrance. And you see, you may be wondering why we make a big deal of these videos. Each week, testimonies. Or when we do baptisms, we, people tell testimonies. We love to tell testimonies because testimonies, in short, are altars of remembrance. Of people not looking back and going, when, what, what was, but actually saying, this is who God has been. My heart cannot forget that. And when we do that, we are basically saying into our, our, our fickle hearts, do it again, God. Cases in point, for me, I've built altars of remembrance in my heart. Not physical, not literal stones, but these deep anchor points to my soul. One of whom is my mother-in-law, Karen. You see, whenever I encounter somebody and they tell me, my, my brother, my sister, my, my, my wife, my spouse, my friend is too far gone. I've got an, an altar of remembrance called Karen, who I look at and go, no, they're not. Because I've built an altar where a woman who was so far gone in the natural, God has rescued her, and not just rescued her, redeemed her, restored her, and given her a future. So now whenever I encounter a problem, and someone's saying, they're too far gone, I just have to look back at the altar of remembrance. Yeah. There's, an, there's another little boy in our church who's now 12, almost on, on the verge of, of uh, his teenage years, named Judah. And Judah is running around this church, kicking balls, kicking people, taking names. But I look at that boy, and every time I see that boy, he's an altar of remembrance for me. Why? Because years ago, God prophesied that boy into a womb that could not fall pregnant. And now 12 years later, when I encounter someone who says, I don't know if we'll ever fall pregnant, I just have to look at Judah and go, that's an altar of remembrance. He is faithful. He has done it. I, I tell the story, if you've been around me any length of time, you would have heard me tell my testimony about how God delivered me miraculously from a pornography addiction. And I've told that so many times. So many times that my mom actually said to me, Gabe, don't you think it's time to retire that story? And I almost agreed with her. Until I realized that that testimony is an altar of remembrance. And that I get to tell it about how faithful God has been. And let me tell you, every time I have told that story, every single time, people have come up to me afterwards saying, I need to experience that faithfulness in my life. We've we got to do this together. We, we, I want to remind you that God has a perfect track record of faithfulness. It's our hearts that forget. And when we build altars of remembrance, the encouragement is that we don't dig up in doubt what we have sown in faith. That's so good, I need to say it again. It helps our hearts not dig up in doubt what we have sown in faith. Because the enemy will come and knock. The enemy will come and, and tempt. The enemy will come and drag you to despair. But actually, when you have anchored your heart to remembering this is how faithful he has been, we can stand. You see that word in the scripture behind me says, yet I still dare to have hope when I remember this, the faithful love. Can you say the faithful love? That word, the faithful love, is such a profound word in the Hebrew. It's this word chesed. You, I know you want to say it. Say it with me. Chesed. C-H-E-S-E-D. You all want to be Hebrew scholars this morning. I know you came to church to learn Hebrew. It's such a word that has a ch in it. You need to drink water before you say it. Chesed. And it's this profound word, faithful love. In other, other uh, definitions are steadfast love or loyal love. It's this anchor word about who God is. And it's actually used describing God 240 times in the Bible. 127 of them in the Psalms. And when the psalm writers use this word, faithful love, steadfast love, loyal love of the Lord, chesed, 
they talk about, you often use it about the vastness and, and of, of creation, the vast expense of creation. And it's this incredible power. You know, in, Psalm, in the psalm it says, your love, O Lord, your steadfast love reaches to the heavens. It's this ex, 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 vast expense of expression it is. And it carries this incredible emotional and same time covenantal understanding. What do I mean by that? Covenantal, I mean it does not change. It is permanent. But it's not this doer on the side like, I suppose I have to love you. Ugh. No, at the same, chesed carries this emotional that is always leaning towards you with desire connotation to it. Chesed. Now, some of you are impressed going, Gabe knows Hebrew. Wait a minute. Let me show you how dumb I am. The way I remember that word chesed and how it's so rooted in my heart. I'm from Zimbabwe. Any Zimbabweans in the house? Any Zimbabweans online? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Bless you. Bless you. But I'm from Zim, and if you ask a Zimbabwean, you tell them to, if they are telling you a story about a time when they were pursued by something. For example, if they want to say, a lion was pursuing me, they'll say, the lion chesed me. When they're talking about that, we'll say, that person chesed me. Now, so when I see this word that is in Hebrew, chesed, I'm a Zimbabwean and I see chesed. And let me tell you, there is no better description about the faithful, loyal, steadfast love of the Lord because His love chesed you when you had nothing. His love chesed you when you were in a valley. His love chesed you when you were in 2020. His love chesed you in the depths of your sickness. His love chesed you and would not relent and would not let go until it found you. And we have to understand this word. We have to understand this nature of his character and build an altar of remembrance and remember his faithfulness. And when we look back as a people, amidst the moans and the groans, we'll see the stones and we'll see our path is littered with altars of remembrance and we'll find traction, though there's still inclines, though there's still sand, we'll find we're able to move forward. Number one is remember. Number two is rehearse. You see, starts off this little sandwich, power-packed sandwich of verses. It starts off by remembering. It ends off, if we jump to the end of it, verse 24 of chapter 3, it says this, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. You see, it shifts to, the, the, te- the tense shifts now to future. The Lord is my inheritance, I will hope in Him. Something in the future here. Rehearse. You see, there's huge power when we know how things end. I don't know if you remember this time last year, the stress, the anxiety, as the Springboks lined up against England, we were the underdogs, and we watched that game. I think I, I, I weighed a, a, a strong 65 kgs before that game, and I weighed much less afterwards because I paced up and down. I was stressing. I was in anxiety. I was up and down, up and down. I, the match was a blur because the, my emotions were afraid. I thought that I was player 23. I've so bought into the Kool-Aid. I am player 23. I'm in. And I couldn't handle the emotions until Cheslin Colby, spoiler alert, if you're still getting there and chasing the sun, episode five, Cheslin Colby scored the try and said, Africa, you beauty, we're world champions. And ah! later on in the day, I got home and I was able to sit down and there's this thing that's called World Cup Final Highlights Package. And now I'm sitting there as a world champion. And I put it on. Now, can I tell you, the ups and downs of the game, the ebbs and flow were still there, but I knew the end. There was no more anxiety. 
when England scored that try, I was like, <laughs> yeah, well done, guys. Have two tries. <laughs> when, when they scored a point and, and Prince Harry is in the, in the stands high-fiving his brother, I'm like, yes, high-five away, buddy. It's coming. Why? Because I knew the end. You see, when I say rehearse, we've been given the lines of the play already. We are not like the people of the world who have question marks about how this thing will all wrap up. This is how we have to understand in this power that actually Revelations 19, one of the last images we have of Christ is of him as the rider on the white horse, returning in victory, coming to wage war on the enemies of God. And the scriptures tell us his name is faithful and true. This is who we serve. This is the God that we serve. And actually, all the way, I, I want to tell you in this encouragement to you that our future and our hope and our courage and the faithfulness of God is not determined by American politics. Can I tell you, Biden or Trump, the faithfulness of God trumps them, excuse the pun, every single time. Your future, our, fa- our hope, His faithfulness is not tied to the economy, economics of South Africa. Now, we don't put our heads in the sand. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions. It doesn't mean we stand for righteousness. No, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying our hearts are not feared or swayed because we know the end. Let me tell you in this way that actually you, you come with your our 2020. I'm not here to make light of 2020 or your problems. I know there has been a tough year. But if we take our 2020 to the apostle Peter, who wrote most of the New Testament or the end part of the New Testament, he would laugh our 2020 out the door and say, shame, shame. Do you want a Netflix show and a blankie? Shame. I'm not making light of our troubles, but actually when you read Peter and you read about the stuff that they were early church were going under, the the emperor Nero, Caesar of the day, made it his aim to crush the people of God. He said he wanted to obliterate the small sect of Christianity off the planet of the face of the earth. So much so they became Christians were used of tarred and litter light to light up his parties. They, we know it notoriously. They were fed to lions as entertainment in Rome. The church was under pressure. But Peter kept telling them, actually, there's a different end. There's a different story. We don't find our courage here. We find our courage there. And this is the encouragement for you, is that right now, if you and I went on a plane and went to Rome, it would cost us 20 euro to walk through Caesar's ruins. Caesar's come. Caesar's gone. The church of Jesus Christ is still here. The Apostle Paul says this in in 2 Corinthians. He says this, these light and momentary afflictions. Now, when Paul says this, he's not not trying to lessen this. Paul's a guy who's seen uh, pain and brokenness. He's been shipwrecked. He's been abandoned. He's been beaten up, left for dead. And he says those things, he calls them light and momentary afflictions, not because of what they are, but in light of what's to come. He says they are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me tell you, what is to come? I just read two things there. It says, it's eternal, it's forever, and it's a weight, it's heavy. It's, a, it's an anchor, it's a stone, it's a rock, that actually, that's how it ends. I can rehearse what is to come. We need to remember. Secondly, we need to rehearse. And finally today, we need to respond. You see, we're in this glorious sandwich of remembering and then rehearsing. Right in the middle, it says this, His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. 
Now, I want to tell you, I believe as that is written, the literal reading of that is understanding that every 24-hour period, God, that there's a new day, a new morning, a new opportunity for you to leave behind the old and, re and respond to the new. Today is a fresh day. No matter what happened yesterday, today is a fresh day to respond. But I want to tell you, I believe there's a greater understanding as well there. That actually, for us as New Covenant believers, that we live in the eternal morning of Resurrection Sunday. Let me, let me say it this way. Do you want me to make it plain? Yep. The stone has been rolled away, and it will never be rolled back in place. And here's the greatest news. The stone was rolled away from that tomb not to let Jesus out. As if the almighty, eternal word of God made flesh, who's been resurrected in power, would be inhibited by a measly rock. No, the stone was rolled away not to let him out, but to let us in to see he's not here. He is risen. This is the good news of the gospel for you and I. And actually, this is what I want to remind us, that he has been faithful. That's why we remember. He will be faithful. That's why we rehearse. And he is faithful. That's why we need to respond. What is he faithful to? He's faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word. Why? Because he is the word. And the Bible tells us an incredible thing. He says, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot. He cannot. It's divinely impossible for him to deny himself. This is so massive for you and I. That actually that word mercy there. You, you up for an appetite for one more Hebrew word before we go out today. You got chesed. You want another one? The, the word mercy there, or better translated is his compassionate mercies on you every morning is this word charan. Charan. Why don't you say it with me? Charan. It's a beautiful, beautiful word. And it's this, that word that talks about his faithfulness. And, uh, and this understanding of Haran is that it's this compassion that undergoes even lower. When you've gone very low, it goes lower still. The compassion that goes lower to lift us up. And when I read that word, can I tell you, there's another time that it appears in the New Testament is in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of a prodigal who's run very far away from the purpose of his father, the will of his father. And the Bible tells us that there's a father who's looking out, looking out. And as soon as a son who's been so far and has gone so low and is returning home with his head bowed, it says as soon as the father saw him, he felt mercy and compassion. And what did he do? He ran. He ran. The response of our father, his mercy and compassion means he runs. He runs to your pain. He runs to your deficit. He runs to your lowest space. Uh, we, my, my friend and I, Wayne Nabathus and I, we, a while ago, we went up to Pretoria on a plane. We're sitting on the plane, and it was one of those flights that is incredibly full. And I'm doing the math as I'm sitting there. We're in 12C and 12D. And as I see people piling in, piling in around me, I'm starting to do the math going, there are more people on this plane than seats. And I'm going, this is weird. And as we're sitting there, I'm seeing the queue in the middle is getting full and full and everyone's looking around until one guy aggressively walks up and says, hey, you two, you're in my seat. You're in my seat. And, and I'm, I'm like, what, 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 you know, you have nothing to say. You just, I, I, sorry, I don't know what's going on. He said, no, the lady at the front said, 12C is my seat. And I was a bit nervous until Wayne Barth, as cool as a cucumber, whips out the ticket and says, buddy, I don't care what she said. On the paper, it says 12C, 12D. It says, I'm not going anywhere. And Wayne casually put away and picked up a magazine. Let me tell you, chaos was going on around us, but we were not going to be moved. Can I tell you, in this season, the enemy is wanting to unseat us from our trust in the faithfulness of God. 
He's wanting to seed us, but we are people who respond, not because of our emotions, not because of our relationships, not because of what he said, she said, or he did, but because we have a father who runs to us, a father who chases us, a father who is relentless pursuit. That's why we remember, that's why we rehearse, that's why we respond, that's why we repeat. We remember, we rehearse, we respond, repeat. That's why we remember, that's why we rehearse, that's why we respond, we repeat. We anchor our hearts to these stones, to these rocks, to these things are not moved, and this is why we have faith. This is why we cannot be shaken. Though you might have fallen very far short, though you may have run very far, He runs after you, He chases you, and His faithfulness never fails. Let me tell you this as we land. Why I have used courage. Because the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus is the rock of ages. The Bible tells us he's our rock and our redeemer. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the rock of offense, but who has become the rock of salvation. The Bible tells us he's the living stone. The Bible tells us that the rock, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. I want to tell you on Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. 